from 1 Corinthians 6, verses 17 through 19. Command those who are rich in in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that we, they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Morning, church. It's Time Change Sunday, can you tell? Wow, it, uh, it was a little dark this morning. I set my alarm a little earlier than usual. It went off at 545. I just wanted to make sure. And Kelly said, why is your alarm going off? And so I'm checking two different. I said, I'm just making sure. Her alarm went off at 615. I'm like, why is your alarm going off? So here in about 15 minutes, we'll probably have some folks coming in. Bible class should be great on attendance today. So uh, I, hope, uh, I hope you stay for that. Just a reminder, we've got our youth group, uh, several members of our youth group, some adult sponsors. They left uh, Friday night, flew out Saturday. They are in Honduras this week. So please be praying for um, the members of the youth group and the adult sponsors. How many of y'all were here Friday night for the Acapella Classic concert? Wow, wasn't that fantastic? We, uh, hopefully nobody from the fire department was here. We exceeded um, the maximum capacity for this building we just brought over some plaques from the other buildings and added those together. So we're supposed to have 780 in here. We probably had 850, I think. It was, it was powerful. It was energetic. Man, uh, can Rodney sing bass or what? The dude took lessons from me well. That wasn't... I mean, to have have guys through the years that have been singing for acapella and to have all of them on one stage, that was fantastic. And uh, thanks for having that, Rodney. Thanks for, uh, thanks for using your voice. So that was, that was great. We are uh, in a sermon series called Next Steps. So let me tell you what I did this week. One afternoon, I went down to Books A Million and some other stores, and I just wanted to look at some magazines because advertisers know how to get our attention. So, as you know, if you've been to Books A Million, all along that back wall, there are, I don't know, thousands of magazines. And so I just kind of went looking for numbers, because numbers attract our attention. Let me illustrate a little bit. Here's one, 10 first steps to researching your ancestors. Something about the steps, 10 things you can do. So that magazine grabbed my attention. How about this one? Fun, 13 ways to love getting in shape. I can't think of one. (laughs) Step one, sign up for a race? I don't think so. But that one grabbed my attention. How about this? 50 ways to your fortune. That grabs our attention because everybody would like to have a little bit more money. Oh, how about this one? 21 expert tips for adopting the perfect pet. And then they put that sweet puppy on there. I mean, you buy that, you're just going to go to the animal shelter and take them all. 21 expert tips. How about this one? What to wear at 30, 40, and 50. My kids would buy this magazine for me. I don't know if you can see 12 rules to follow and four to skip. 
My kids would buy that for me. Dad, you can't wear that. You're 55. So that one grabbed my attention. How about this one? The secret to perfect abs. Seven. You see the numbers. We always look for the steps, the tips. Seven essential moves to sculpt a serious six-pack. I'm not that serious. Um, This one grabbed my attention. 171 ways to look great right now. 171? I'd get tired after three. If there's 171 ways to look great right now, I give up. But that one grabbed my attention. 32 ways to cut clutter. Maybe that's your kitchen. You walk into some people's house. Have you ever walked into some people's house and you just want to mess it up? Because it's so clean. Fall in love with your job. Seven life-changing career tips. Maybe you need that one. Nine belly-melting workouts. No thanks. Ten perfect sleep secrets. Can we use that one today? As one of our elders came and stood in front of me, hey, I need a little sleep. Don't wake me up. You want a sleep secret? Just plug in one of my sermons. That's what my brother always tells me. 65 tips to save money. Maybe that gets your attention. 35 ways, it's tax season, 35 ways to trim your tax bill. Maybe that grabs your attention. I bought this book last week, 10-Minute Transformation, Small Spiritual Steps That Revolutionize Your Life. That one grabbed my attention. So we're talking about next steps. Now, who doesn't want to save money? Who doesn't want to look better? Who doesn't want to be a little more organized? And so those magazines grab our attention. So that's why I grabbed those, because we're talking about next steps. Because when it comes to next steps, I wonder if there's some steps that we can take to be more spiritually mature. I wonder if there's some tips. I wonder if there's some things that we could do. Because who doesn't want to have a little stronger faith? Who doesn't want to, when those storms of life come, when the struggles come, who doesn't want to be a little more spiritually mature? So we're talking about next steps. Are there some steps that you can take to be more spiritually mature? And the good news, the answer is yes. Now, as we've been going through these next steps, I don't want you to think, I don't want you to approach it from a legalistic point of view. Hey, Richie, I did those steps. I did those five steps, six steps, however many steps that we're going to go through. It's not a matter of being legalistic, but there are some things that you can do to be more spiritually mature. You read about, um, maybe you've read Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. You know why some people are more successful in life? You know why some people achieve more in life? Because there's some habits that they practice. There's some steps they take to be more successful and to achieve more in life. Are there some habits that I can take to be more spiritually mature? So I keep coming back to the survey. We've been basing this on a survey. 200 churches, 80,000 people. All right? And they ask the question, what's the most important thing you want from your church? And one of the top answers, challenge me to grow and take the next step in my spiritual life. So we've been illustrating, no matter where you are in your spiritual life, you got to know where you are. I mean, if, if you join a fitness club, if you go to the gym, they're going to measure you, they're going to weigh you. There's a starting point, you got to know where you are. you got to know where you want to be. I want to be a more fully devoted Christ follower. Are there some steps that I can take? And the answer is yes. And there's some steps that you can take. And that's really our mission statement, helping people grow 
into fully devoted Christ followers. That's what we're trying to do here. So we've been talking about next steps. So just to bring you up to date, you can go online and listen to these sermons. The first step we looked at was spiritual beliefs. People who are more fully devoted Christ followers, people who look more like Jesus, have certain spiritual beliefs. And the number one belief that we looked at was salvation by grace. People who are fully devoted Christ followers believe in salvation by grace. They don't believe it's what they do. They believe it's what Jesus does. We looked at some other beliefs, um, spiritual beliefs. We'll come back to that. Another one we looked at was baptism. We believe that the first step of obedience, once you decide to follow Christ, once you decide to make a commitment to Christ, the first step of obedience is baptism. And we looked at that. Last week, we looked at small groups. Life was never meant to live alone. God never wanted us to live alone. We're not talking about marriage. We're not talking about those kind of relationships. We're talking about the church family. So that when those struggles of life come, when you're having trouble at your job, when you're wrestling with your kids, when you're having problems with your parents, you need a church group, a small group, so that you can live life with folks in a small group. So today I want to talk about another step, but let me introduce it. What if I told you there's a step that you can take that'll help you rest better, that'll give you more peace, that'll keep you from having as many arguments in your marriage, that'll help you as you prepare for the future, that'll help you look more like Jesus, That'll transform you into the likeness of Jesus. Would you be interested in that step? Our scripture reading today, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Command those who are rich in this present world. All right? Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So you figured out the next step already. I'm going to talk about money. I did it on spring break knowing half the people wouldn't be here and get upset with me. Now, before you turn me off, because I'm talking about money. I know folks don't like, you know, the one subject in all of the Bible that people don't like to hear is the subject of money. But don't turn me off yet. You go to the doctor, the doctor tells you, hey, you need to lose some weight and you need to eat right and you turn the doctor off, I'm going to get me a new doctor. Don't turn the preacher off just because he's talking about money. Because this is an important spiritual step if you want to look more like Jesus. I don't want you to think I'm talking about money because I want the contributions to go up. You exceed our contributions on a weekly basis. So I don't need to hound you about giving more money so that we can meet the budget. We're meeting the budget. In fact, for the last 10 or 12 or 15 years, you exceed the budget. So I don't want you to think I'm talking about money so that you can put more money in the plate. I'm talking about money so that you can look more like Jesus. Okay? So, Paul says, command those who are rich in this present world. Just in case you're wondering, that's us. That's me, that's you. If you make $37,000 a year, you're in the top 
4% of wage earners in the world. If you make $37,000 a year, you make more money than 96% of the people on this globe. The problem is we're not very good at being rich. We're not very good at handling our money. We're not very good when it comes to those kind of things. So let me illustrate. A lot of professional athletes get rich suddenly. You know professional athletes make a ridiculous amount of money. Sports Illustrated reported that 78% of NFL players find themselves bankrupt or financially stressed within two years of walking off the field. 60% of NBA players are broke within five years of walking off the court. Listen, if we could get a handle on money, you do know that 70% of marital fights are about money. So if we could get a handle on this money, this next step called money that we can look more like Jesus, it'll help your marriage. You'll sleep better because you won't wake up thinking, you know, how do I pay this bill and how do I do this? One of our problems is for every dollar that we make, we spend a dollar twenty-nine. We've got a greed problem. God gives us enough money. We are rich in this present world. We just don't handle it very well. You talk about saving for college for your kids. We can't save for college for our kids because we're spending a dollar twenty-nine for every dollar. When I, by the time our kids hit college, we're so in debt. Average credit card balance is $9,000 because we see stuff that we have to have when we put it on the plastic and then we pay for it for years. I'm not talking about money in the contribution plate. I'm talking about your money. Folks, the next step that we need to look at, if we want to be more like Jesus, we got to get a handle on money. So Paul says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. Because that's what money can do to you. Money does things to people. And sometimes the more money we have, the more inflated our egos. The more important we feel. I got a lot of money, so I'm a little superior than you. I'm a little above you. Paul says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to have inflated self-egos just because of money. Listen, folks, your identity should not be in your money. Your identity should not be in what your money can buy you. Your identity shouldn't be in, in the house that your money can buy, the car your money can buy, the clothes your money can... That's not your identity. Your identity should be in Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, command those who are rich, be careful because money can make us arrogant. Money also gives us false security. Sometimes the more money we have, we put our hope in wealth. If I've got enough money in my bank account, I feel pretty secure. If I've got enough money in retirement, I feel pretty secure. If a few extra bills come in, it's okay, I've got money. And so sometimes we put our hope in our bank account, and our hope in our savings account, and our hope in our retirement account. And he said, command those who are rich not to put their hope in wealth. What's the song we sing? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood. And His righteousness. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. I like Proverbs 18. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city, 
They imagine it an unscalable wall. If I just have enough money, nothing can penetrate. Nothing can bother me. Nothing is going to... Don't put your hope in wealth. So look at what Paul says here. He gives us some good things. Here are some next steps that you need to take when it comes to your money. These are some things that you can do when it comes to how you view money. He says, you need to put your hope in God. You need to put your trust in God. You need to lean on God. God is the one who richly provides. God is the one. He says He gives us everything for our enjoyment. I mean, we've got such a good God that He says if we just give Him 10%, He's going to give us a 90% commission. What a great God we have. We need to put our hope in God. Number two, command them to do good and be rich in good deeds. Paul says you need to find ways to do good. You need to practice good deeds. In fact, to the point, he says you need to be generous and willing to share. You need to find ways to do good deeds with your money. You need to find ways to practice doing good works with your money. You need to be generous and willing to share. You say, I I don't want to do that. I mean, it's my money. I'll do whatever I want to with it. It's my money. I'm going to keep it. Kind of reminds me of the rich fool, the parable of the rich fool in Luke 12. You remember he had a good crop and, and, and a lot of stuff came in and he said, you know what, I don't have big enough barns. And so he tore down all of his barns and he built bigger barns. He was a barn again man. At least you're awake. I mean, when you wake up this early on Time Change Sunday, you catch everything, don't you? And he builds bigger barns to store his stuff. To hoard his stuff. And God says to him, you fool, tonight your life will end. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up for himself, but is not rich towards God. In that same passage, Jesus says, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Listen, folks, the value of your life will always be measured, not by what you keep but by how much you give away, how much of your life you give away, how much of your money you give away. Paul says, you tell those rich folks to be generous and be willing to share. Why? Because when you do that, you look more like Jesus. When you hoard, you look more like Satan. So that's why it's important for us to take these steps. Let me give you some steps just to help. They're just suggestions. You do what you want to. I know when I talk about money, you turn me off. Here's some suggestions when it comes to money. Number one, you need to make giving a priority. You need to make being generous a priority. If it's not, if it's not a priority, you won't do it. Anything in your life that's not a priority, you find yourself not doing it. If you don't make exercise a priority, you don't exercise. So when you make giving a priority, it changes you on the inside. It loosens your grip on money when you make it a priority. Listen, folks, if you wait till you're rich, which we are, but if your attitude is, you know, I don't feel rich, you know, people who make $30,000 a year, ask them, what is rich? They'll say, well, if I made 60000 You ask people, what is rich, who make 60000 They'll say it's people who make 120000 Rich to most people is more money. But we are rich. But if you're thinking, I'll wait till I'm rich to give, you'll never give. So you need to make giving a priority. 
Number two, you need to become a percentage giver. Now, there's a lot of ways for you to give. And I told you I wasn't talking about contributions per se, but let me tell you something. God says, if you'll give me a tenth, the Bible talks about a tenth. I'm not going to argue with you about tithing. I'm just going to tell you that Scripture says, God says, if you'll give me a tenth, I'll open the floodgates of heaven so much that you won't even know how to handle the blessings I throw your way. So I'm thinking, you want some more blessings in life? I mean, who doesn't? You want some more blessings in life? Give God 10% and sit back and watch. Now, to become a percentage giver, you've got to start somewhere. I mean, give 1%. Give 3%. On average, Americans give 3%. Build your way up to 5%, 7%, 10%. If you don't become a percentage giver, you're going to give whatever. You're, whatever's in my pocket, whatever's in my purse, just whatever. Number three, you need to develop a plan in your giving. You don't lose weight without a plan. You don't exercise without a plan. You don't become a fully devoted Christ follower without a plan. And you don't become a generous person without a plan. So you need to plan your giving. Let me tell you what happens if you're not generous. If you don't take these steps, let me tell you what happens. I'm going to go back a few verses. Paul says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. Now check this out. If you're not generous, people who want to get rich fall into a temptation. They fall into a trap. They fall into many foolish and harmful desires. They plunge themselves into ruin and destruction. You know why? Because we hoard and we keep it. That's what happens to us. He goes on, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. That's us. We've got struggles. We've got griefs. We've got problems in our life because we don't know how to handle money. So if you want to become a fully devoted Christ follower, one of the steps... Listen, folks, you never look more like Jesus than when you're generous and when you give. For God so loved the world, He gave. So one of the steps in becoming like Jesus is to be generous and to give. So I got a couple of minutes, so let, let me, I'm going to show you some pictures. I'm going to show you what generosity looks like, okay? Just in case you didn't know, this is the 50th anniversary year for the Pine Tree Church of Christ. Fifty years ago, some people had a vision and said, hey, why don't we plant a church over in the Pine Tree area? And 50 years ago, some people gave some money to build a church down on Pine Tree Road. And through the years, people gave some money down at Pine Tree Road, not only to build that first building, but to expand that next building. And, and through the years, people, because they've been generous, have enabled that building to um, be remodeled. And then we moved up on this land. Because around 19, you can help me, I wasn't here, 88, 89, some people had the vision and some people were generous and said, let's buy the 15 acres up here on Dundee Road. 
And so we started building phase one. And we built phase one and we paid it off in four years. We paid off a half a million dollars in four years. Because that's what generosity looks like. And we've added to our buildings. We've got Jump Street, our children's wing. We've got the kids' town, the preschool, the education center. We've got the hub, our youth building. We built the auditorium back in 06. That's what generosity looks like. But it's more than just buildings. If we were to total up through the last 10 years how much you've given over and above the regular contributions which you've exceeded, over and above you've given over a million dollars to missions and the mission work. That's what generosity looks like. You see, if we hoard it and we keep it, we don't do stuff like this. And if we hoard it and we keep it, our young people won't have a place. And if we hoard it and we keep it, we can't send people out on to do mission work. Our youth group that went this week to go to Honduras, if we hoard it and we keep it, we don't do stuff like that. This is what generosity looks like. If we hoard it and we keep it, we can't help people down at caring and sharing. This is what generosity looks like. And generosity looks like Jesus. So we've been talking about next steps. What do fully devoted Christ followers look like? You know, I'm not really sure. Because we look so different. We're diversified. You look like Jesus in a different way than I look like Jesus. So I'm not sure what fully devoted Christ followers look like besides saying they look more like Jesus every day. What do fully devoted Christ followers do? I can answer that based on the research. There are steps that you can take to become a more fully devoted Christ follower. We are what we repeatedly do. We are what we repeatedly do. So if you repeatedly read your Bible, if you repeatedly stay in a small group and around some Christian friends, if you repeatedly obey Scripture, if you repeatedly are generous, you're going to look more like Jesus every day. Next steps. Let me say this. God blesses generosity. God honors generosity. So when you open up your hand and give, God honors that. Listen, folks, you'll never miss the money that you miss. I said it wrong. You always miss the money that you misspend. You always miss the money that you waste. You always miss the money that you invest poorly. You never miss the money when you're generous and you give to people. You decide how you want to be generous. Maybe it's the people on the street corner. You say, well, I don't know if they deserve it. That's not what Scripture says. It says be generous. It doesn't say to judge. It doesn't say to... It says be generous. And really, if you gave $20 to somebody on the street corner, be honest. Be honest with me. Are you going to miss that 20 bucks? No. You decide how to be generous. You decide what the next step needs to be. Maybe some of y'all need to buy one of Dave Ramsey's books on money management. We've got some folks here in the congregation that need to step up and help us with next steps and teach people how to handle money and teach people how to do budgets. That's what we need to do. You decide. But listen, folks, if you want to look more like Jesus, you never look more like Jesus than when you give. For God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him, puts their trust in Him, 
So we offer the invitation of Jesus Christ today. Maybe you've never taken that next step. Maybe you've never said, you know what, Lord, I want to trust you with my life. I want to give you my life. Today, I want to be baptized. Maybe that's you today. If you'd like to meet with our shepherds in the back, they'll go to a private room and they'll pray with you in private. If you need to respond to the invitation in some way, please do so as we stand and sing. Oh.